Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of August 21, 2016. At a recent Greater Louisville Council of the Blind roundabout, many of us brought little gadgets that we find useful around the house. Examples of items that were shared included a slate for brailing playing cards, silicone lids useful for covering dishes and mugs in the microwave or pots and pans on the stove, a braille Rubik's Cube, cookie scoops in various sizes, etc. Dave Trevino's useful gadget was a jar. Here's what he had to say. I've got a question. When is a door not a door? Exactly. Now, a jar is not a door, but then again, it could be a door to a whole realm of storage. Take your peanut butter jar, for example. With a little goo gone, you can totally clean the, the the outside of the jar of label and the adhesive that kept that label on, and your peanut butter jar in a jiffy is transferred, uh, translated into a storage device. You can store beads, uh, corn, rice, beans, uh, pasta. Screws. Exactly. Anything that you need to keep contained can be, can be used in that way. A mayonnaise jar is a crafty way to store uh, beads and paper clips or whatever. And a prescription bottle that is no longer used for medicine is just what the doctor ordered for a lot of things. Change, for example. I use them to separate coins. And uh, as a matter of fact, with a little weed eater line and a key ring, I have attached uh, prescription bottles to each side of my note taker case I carry thumb drives in one and earbuds in the other. And, you know, peanut butter jars, mayonnaise jars, even jelly jars can get you out of a jam where storage is concerned. And, and they're, they're, they're a renewable resource. There's always another jar coming along. In the days when pioneers were settling the country, nobody looked down on them using logs to make houses. That was what was available. And with jars or prescription bottles, the more of them we use, the more we save the environment from bodily harm. So the next time you're thinking about throwing away a jar, think about what you might be able to store in it. Last week, Rob Meredith from the American Printing House for the Blind demoed the new Nearby Explorer mobility app for the iPhone. The app is now available for purchase. Visit the iTunes store or the APH website at www.aph.org for more information. Two new directors were elected to the ACB board at this year's ACB convention in Minneapolis. We've already met Denise Colley from Washington State here on Soundprints, and this week we catch up with the other new board member, Dan Dillon from Tennessee. 
Each director on the ACB board serves as the board liaison for several affiliates, both state and special interest, and we are pleased that Dan is the new board liaison for the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Get to know Dan better on page two. The American Printing House for the Blind is celebrating 80 years of recording talking books. Gulliver's Travels was the first talking book recorded there way back in 1936. Mike Hudson from the APH Museum stops by on page 3 to tell us about a celebration of the talking book program coming up near the end of September. It's back to school time and the ACB Mini Mall is celebrating. Whether or not you are going to school, you can share in the fun. Free ground shipping is available for orders of eligible items totaling $50 or more, whether you order online or by phone. Items eligible for the free shipping special include jackets, t-shirts, mugs, power banks, wall chargers, tote bags, computer bags, luggage tags, just about anything in the mini mall except canes and other items that ship free matter for the blind. On page 4, Patty Cox from the Mini Mall Committee chats with us about the Mini Mall in Minneapolis at the ACB convention, and she describes some of the new hot items available, both online and by phone. For more information about free shipping and to make sure you don't miss any of the new items, visit the ACB Mini Mall online at http colon slash slash mall, M-A-L-L dot acb.org or call the mini mall at 877-630-7190. You can also reach the mini mall page by going to the ACB website at acb.org and following the link to the mini mall from the home page. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two. One of the new members of the ACB Board of Directors is Dan Dillon. Dan is from Nashville, Tennessee, actually Hermitage, Tennessee. And some of you have met Dan when you've come to Crossroads or um, been at ACB conventions. Dan is the chair of the Resource Development Committee and is always out there looking for new ways to raise money. And Dan is with us on Sound Prints today to give everybody a chance to meet him and learn a little more about him. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Carla. Good to be here. Dan, we know uh, about you working with the walk and the, the auction and all the things in ACB that have to do with raising money and increasing resources. And um, also, you've, at Crossroads, you've come as president of the Tennessee Council and Mid-Tennessee Council, but tell us about about Dan, about about the other uh, the other hats you wear outside of ACB and and hobbies, and just introduce us to yourself. Okay, thank you. I am originally from Michigan. I'm one of those Yankees that came down and stayed, <laughs> but I've actually lived in the South more than in the North, so I'm I'm more of a whatever you want to call me. A Michigan redneck or hillbilly <laughs> came, to, came to Tennessee and stayed. I actually came to Tennessee back in '66. Oh my goodness! And I I, uh, I went to Michigan State University, got a degree in uh, 
social science, which was rather a broad liberal arts de- degree. Uh, um, I was counseled by people that uh, were telling me, well, Dan, you, you, you know, you're totally blind. You, you need to get a college degree. But, and they were right in that area, but uh, it wasn't a very specialized degree anyway. So uh, after graduating from Michigan State, I, I hung around Michigan for a while and tried to find a job and couldn't find one. And, uh, <clears throat> but I had this interest in music. And at Michigan State, I sang with Men's Glee Club. Then out of that glee club, we formed a, a trio, and we sang folk music. I, I go back a long ways. We sang folk music back in the That was appropriate in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, kind of an interesting trio that, that we formed. Of course, there was me, uh, totally blind. Then there was a fellow who uh, was partially sighted. He wore these really thick glasses. And uh, I played guitar and banjo, and he played, uh, John played uh, guitar and banjo. And then... The fellow who stood in the middle had had polio as a child, and uh, he had these wrist crutches. So, and he didn't play an instrument. He sang tenor in the group. So we were kind of a unique folk trio, and uh, we sang a lot of functions on campus. And we 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 finally ended up getting a, a gig during the summer months uh, at a at a uh, club. Uh, about two miles from Michigan State's campus. Anyway, we we had a lot of fun singing, and um, we were approached by a gentleman uh, who was going to move to Nashville from Michigan and set up a, re- a publishing company and a promotion company. And he approached the trio. And anyway, the trying to make a long story short, that the, uh, the other two gentlemen in the trio were not interested in moving to Nashville and getting into the music business, but I was, and that's. That's how I got to Nashville. I, I I came to Nashville to pursue the music business. So I was in the music business for over 20 years, and uh, uh, it's an interesting business. Um, it's a difficult business. I wrote songs for two different publishing companies, a small one and a large one, and i fortunate enough to have a, a couple of recording contracts and, and recording sessions, but nothing big ever happened. And... Uh, but I uh, got a little tired of uh, and a little hungry after the first four or four and a half years in Nashville. And so I started um, singing in lounges, like Holiday Inn lounges and Ramadi Inn lounges. And I would learn songs by request. If I got enough requests for a particular song, then I would, I would tape it off the jukebox or off the radio or go and purchase the record and learn the song and uh, build up quite a large repertoire. And then... I started in Nashville, which is extremely competitive because you got oh, so yeah. many. Everybody's there. Yeah, but you got so many singers and pickers trying to get these gigs at these lounges and hotels. And, uh, but I did that for a year or two, and, and then I had an opportunity to go on the road, so I ended up being on the road for about eight and a half years and was able to able to support my uh, family, my, my wife and my child, and uh, um so it all it all worked out, but not, didn't ever do anything big. I met a lot of interesting people. Some of my hobbies, though, I uh, <clears throat> I love to work with wood, and um, uh, I don't build any fancy furniture or anything like that. But I I build workbenches and shelves and, and things like that, and uh, uh, love to work with my hands. I uh, the biggest project I ever got into is uh, my first wife and I bought a, a little 
little cottage on O'Hickory Lake, uh, not far from Hermitage in uh, Tennessee. And uh, it was strictly a, a summer home. Um, they, they even called it a summer camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had no... Uh, the only air conditioner it had, it had an air conditioner, uh, uh, one, a, a window air conditioner, and as far as heat was concerned, it had these little uh, space heaters that you'd plug in. Oh. And, uh, so anyway, the, I, I converted that, that little cottage into a year-round home, and it was, uh, it was small, but it was a big enough challenge for me, and I got into uh, uh, running electrical wiring, adding outlets and switches and uh, heaters, and we, we went with the baseboard heat. Got into plumbing. The, 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 there was an older home, and it had some, some old plumbing fixtures in it, so I got into plumbing and putting in shutoff valves and all this stuff, and, and then a lot of carpentry work. And So it was a big challenge. I bet it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time, but... I learned a lot, and I saved money. Instead of hiring people to do this, I did it myself. But it did take a lot of time. I'm a blind golfer. I'm a member of the United States Blind Golf Association. And with blind golf, it's it's a team sport because you've got to have someone, we call them a coach, to line you up and tell you where the ball goes. So um, when we're on a green, for example, um, and my coach says, well, we'll put the ball nine feet, Dan. Then that's up to me to execute. And my coach figures in the, 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 the lay of the green, up or downhill, or whether it uh, breaks to the right or the left. And then he tells me the distance, and it's up to me to, to put it that distance. And uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And, uh, <laughs> but they basically it, give you the visual of what you would see. If, if yes, you could see I, it, what you would see in, in that uh, the, the layout to, of the green. Yeah, it's up to me mm-hmm. to visualize what nine feet is, you know, uh-huh. and, and, and the feel for nine feet. And theoretically, you'd think as a blind person, I'd be able to, the, the putting would be the, the strongest part of my game, and sometimes it's, <laughs> it's good, sometimes it's not. <laughs> How long have you been golfing? Probably off and on for the past uh, 18 years or so, but, uh, but I've been really serious about it for the past... Uh, I guess uh, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get into it? How'd you get interested in blind golf? Well, I guess it, it probably all started years and years ago. Where I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, not right behind my house, but two or three fields over there from my the back of my house was a golf course, and I. I remember my brother and I would, would we'd, we'd go hiking. We did a lot of hiking, and we'd go back there and observe these, these golfers hitting this golf ball. You know, I got interested in that, and uh, and uh, I remember we, uh, I got into fishing back then, too, when I was just, just a kid. And my, my brother, at night, my brother and I would go out, go over to that golf course and go onto the green, and, and there was a, a huge amount of, of night crawlers. Uh, these worms that you fish with, and uh, so I, I kind of got exposed to the to the golf course uh, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, <clears throat> now were you were you always blind, or um, well, could you see when back, you were tall? Way back then, I, I I had a little sight. I was okay. born legally blind. Okay. And how and about your brother? My brother uh, is fully sighted. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I lost the sight I had very gradually and probably became totally blind in my late teens or early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but then later on, I, I, re- I received some literature through the mail about blind golf and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, investigated and, and started getting interested in, in blind golf then. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it can be very frustrating. <laughs> uh, it looks a lot easier than it is. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd be a disaster. <laughs> Somebody told me to do something <laughs> nine feet away, I'd, well... <clears throat> I might well, get that ball to go three takes, feet. It, it just takes a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Oh, man. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, now, um, so did you go to public school or to the Michigan School for the Blind? Or I did not go to the Michigan School for the Blind. In Kalamazoo, Michigan, they had a, at the time, they, they called it the Upjohn School for Handicapped Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that in that uh, in that school, they had uh, they they had a, a school a classroom for the deaf and for the people who were young young students that were crippled, mm-hmm. and they also had um, uh, a classroom for they call it the sight saving oh yeah classroom. Mm-hmm. So everything was enlarged in that room. the The globe was enlarged. The clock was enlarged, <laughs> um, and they had thick lined paper. So so you could see it right between the lines and magnifiers, and mm-hmm. so that's the room they put me in because I did. I still had some sight at that time, and then mm-hmm. after the sixth grade, I went to public school from then on. So you built this. You well, you converted the, basically the cabin into a house. Yeah. And um, all the woodworking hobbies and things, and so. Um, and then there's the um, the ACB part, the Tennessee Council part, all of those things, and, and you spend an awful lot of time helping people, other people, raise money and do things. How did you get interested in doing fundraising? Well, I just many years ago I realized the need. If you want to have uh, your programs and activities, whether it's on the local level, or on the national level, you, you've got to have money to fund those. Uh, those activities and those programs. I got into ACB because of Brenda. Back in '99, she was working for uh, a transportation service, and she determined eligibility uh, for this service. So she called me and, and uh, filled out the form and all this stuff. But then she informed me that they were having a meeting of the Mid Tennessee Council of the Blind. <laughs> next week or whatever it was uh-huh. so anyway and, and at the time Brenda was president of the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind and I, I went to one of the meetings and I was very impressed with what they talked about and the way Brenda uh, conducted the meeting and uh, uh-huh. so that and then at that meeting she talked about the na- uh, ACB was having a national convention in uh, Los Angeles I was uh-huh. quite impressed with that so anyway, I ended up going to the national convention in Los Angeles, and then uh, Brenda got Brenda and I got to know each other a lot better, and we we, we were married in 2000. And uh, then those of you who don't know, Brenda passed away about three years ago. So we were married for a little over 13 years, and I I learned a lot from Brenda about uh, auctions and uh, fundraising and 
Boy, Brenda, Brenda could get Brenda could get an auction donation out of a telephone pole. She could. And, and then she didn't care. No. It made no difference to her who she contacted. You know, it, it could be the, the, the person next door or it could be a U.S. senator. That's right. You know, it's nothing. She was not intimidated whatsoever. Whether she's asking for an auction item or a, a, a sponsorship. A, a, yeah, a sponsorship mm. or money, you know, a or, donation. You yeah. Know. Items, yeah. items for the Tennessee Council goodie bags. Oh yeah, my that's goodness! Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it 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 made no difference. So. Yeah, and so. I I might say too, uh, Carla, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not a I'm not a spring chicken, but I I, I try to stay in shape and, and uh, I try to stay active. So in Nashville here, I'm not only involved with blind golf, but I'm I'm in the blind bowling program. That Mid Tennessee Council has every Thursday. We start back up in uh, September and go and through. Do you all have a league? Do you run it like a league? We 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 don't have mm -hmm. a league. Uh, I wish we had more people to partic to participate. But mm -hmm. uh, um, <clears throat> but we do have a, a great time bowling against each other. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of friendly competition, and then <laughs> they also have a wonderful program. Uh, it's a tandem bike riding program for the blind. And I, I'm involved in that, and that is sponsored and coordinated by the uh, Harpeth uh, Bike Club. Tell us how that operates. Well, uh, every and that won't start that won't start up again till September as well. Well, it has to get cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so every Tuesday, when, when it starts back up in September, every Tuesday uh, we go to the uh, track mm -hmm. at the. Uh, uh, Tennessee State Fairgrounds. It's a, it's a racetrack. Okay. And uh, we ride around that track for an hour and um, start getting in shape for the big event that they used to have in June. It's called the Harpeth River Ride. And you can uh, you can choose to ride 20 miles or 40 miles, 60 miles or 100 miles. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, now, bear in mind, there's the tandem bike. So the, right. the person who's mm -hmm. visually impaired, who's called the stoker, Mm -hmm. Rides on the back of the bike, but is expected to pedal just as much as the captain who rides in front and steers the bike. Mm -hmm. And uh, the big, big event of the year, like I say, is the Harpeth River ride, and you can choose to ride those distances. So this past year, I rode uh, 44 miles. I was pleased with that. Do you all, um, do you all do this as part of the Tennessee Council, the Mid Tennessee Council, or do you just do it as a, a group associated with a club? Well, when we promote our organization, we, we, we talk about the Tandem Bike Riding Program. Okay. The Tandem Bike Riding Program actually started, it was initiated by the Tennessee Association of Blind Athletes. Okay. But uh, we, we make people aware of that, um, mm -hmm. the, the bike riding program, and, and, of course, we really promote that among our members and, and really mm -hmm. everybody we have a chance to, to talk to about the, the, the Tandem Bike Riding Program. Mm -hmm. Great exercise. Oh yeah, and going around the track every Tuesday isn't so much fun. But when you do the river <laughs> ride, you're out in the country, uh -huh. and you're you're riding the you know on these country roads, yes. and you get all these smells of the oh yeah, the, you know the honey <clears throat> excuse me the honeysuckle and the and the creeks and all this mm -hmm. stuff you know and uh, oh and that is very, fun, that, very pleasant. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. Well, the Tennessee Council won the ACB Braille Forum drawing this year. 5000 bucks to the Tennessee Council. I think you said you sold the ticket. 
I did sell the ticket. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. And you know what? Last year I sold the winning ticket. <laughs> Last year, I think people are going to want to buy tickets for me. Yeah, the moral of that story uh, is. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, last year, I, I and I'm also um, I only I've only been in this program a couple of years, but I, mm -hmm. I'm into ballroom dancing. Oh, and yes, blind people can can yes. ballroom dance. Yes, uh, it's it, it's it takes time. It takes a lot of practice. It's like blind golf and other things. But mm -hmm. but but blind people can can uh, can do quite well. Uh, ballroom dancing. If you don't get, if we don't get too fancy, you know. Yes. Well, anyway, last year I, I sold the ticket, and five of my dance partners. Well, they're not all my partners, but I mean, the <laughs> five, five, five people in the dance class. You're a busy guy, Dan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five, five, five people in the dance class, guys and gals. That's why I have to to, to clarify. You know, okay. uh, they each pay, put their in their ten dollars, and of course, with a t uh, ACB raffle ticket, up to five people can purchase a ticket. So right. five people put in their ten dollars, and so they each ended up winning a thousand dollars last year. Yeah. And uh, this year, it's the Tennessee Council of the Blind, and and we're going to share some of that money with our local chapters around the state. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, also, we were just informed that you are the board liaison for the Kentucky Council of the Blind, and we're mighty glad that we have our uh, a neighbor from Tennessee to be our liaison this year. So we... Um, well, I'm happy we'll look, about that, too. Oh, yeah. We're going to look forward to, to yeah, I, having I, you... Um, Having you maybe participate on, on a, a, you know, a call now and then with us yep, anytime we, we you want to come. And I'm I'm available for anybody yeah. who has any questions. Okay. Uh, about ACB or any problems in in, in Kentucky. Uh, right. I'm, well, now, we don't have problems in Kentucky. No, okay. Well, you know I'm, how I'm that is. Call me and tell me about all the good things that are happening <laughs> in Kentucky, and then uh, maybe we can apply the apply the, 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 the resolutions to uh, some of these other affiliates, because I have, I think, five other affiliates oh, in Kentucky. The directors all have five or six affiliates that they are, um, they serve as liaison for them. And, um, you know, that that is that can be a big job so um that program's only been going a couple of years so we're we're looking forward to having you as our liaison oh, thank you well dan this has been great we really appreciate you spending time with us on sound prints to introduce yourself and uh, been most interesting we really appreciate you telling us about all these the hobbies and interests and so on it's it's nice to get to know the person and the people who are on the board, and and the, then they become more than just a name, just just a person that you meet at convention. So, we really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Page three. I'm speaking with Mike Hudson. He's the director of the museum at the American Printing House for the Blind. He's been a guest on Sound Prints many times in the past, and he's with us today to talk about an interesting program coming up at the end of September. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing this morning, Carla? Just fine. Tell us about this exciting program that has to do with narrators in the Talking Book Program. Well, we are celebrating the 80th anniversary of the first talking book that was recorded here at Printing House. 1936 was that year. Um, 
and and I guess uh, in a larger sense, we're celebrating the 85th anniversary of the National Library Service. Mm-hmm. So um, our program is going to be on Saturday, September 24th, uh, from 10:30 uh, to 12:30. We're calling it um, the History of Talking Books. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of give a brief and fun history of, uh, of talking books at APH and, um, and some of the, the inventions and, uh, and innovations that went into the, you know, we, we've come a long way. Oh, yeah. 1936. Absolutely. Do you know what that first book was that we recorded? Uh, wasn't it Gulliver's Travels? It was. Very mm-hmm. good. Very mm-hmm. good. And how many records do you think it came on? Oh, I don't know. It was a stack. Let me just yes. say it was 16. Yes, so yes. When you got your talking book in the mail in the 1930s, you know, it, it came in a big box. Uh, Mike, we used to carry them home from school. <laughs> and you'd borrow them from the library, uh-huh. and you'd carry these big black boxes home yeah. from the library. Now, they weren't the same as the mailing boxes. Right. Uh, because right. the school library had these flat boxes that, um, you know, could pretty much, they were, they were different sizes and would accommodate small books or books, right. larger books. But... Um, you know, the only you know thing exactly that, what I'm talking about. Yeah, the only thing you were grateful for was that you were carrying the records in the box rather than the um, the uh, uh, equivalent in Braille volumes. Well, good point. That's yes. a good point. Yes. But, you know, the the uh, I think, you know, folks that today get their talking books on the little digital cartridge or, oh, yeah. or, or, or even download it, you know, directly from, from NLS on BARD, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to imagine how how much better that oh, is. I know, I know, yeah. But of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, at in their day, phonograph records were a great innovation. They uh, were, they were, and allowed uh, you to to read a book in a way that that had never been possible before. So uh, we've just we just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller with our with our technology in terms of uh, audio reproduction but so so we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that um and then um we're going to actually have some live interviews with three of our better known uh narrators uh the inestimable uh Mitzi Friedlander and the wonderful Aaron Jones and then the voice of the uh, the walking uh runway at uh, at the airport Jack Fox oh yes um so, uh, three and of lots our, of other airports, too. And lots of others, too, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but, you know, so three of our better-known and, and obviously very veteran uh, narrators, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about how they got into, into talking books and their career and their favorite books and, and laugh a little bit about, you know, some of the, the funny things that have happened to them in their careers. And then we're going to kind of finish it all up with a uh, – Kind of a uh, an Oscar-style homage to uh, a number of our narrators that we've that we've lost over the years, uh, and of course we've 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 lost Roy Avers just in the last year. Or so um, really wonderful narrator and a wonderful wonderful human being too. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of do the the same thing they do at the Oscars, where they they kind of review the the people that 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 have that have uh, passed and. 
and uh, we'll listen to some brief clips of some of their their wonderful voices. Mm-hmm. And then and then we'll have a reception at the end where everybody can talk to Mitzi and Aaron and Jack and and um, and and get some refreshments. That will be so much fun. So it's Saturday, September twenty four, mm-hmm. and and the time is. It's at ten thirty to twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. At the museum. At the museum. That's and right. I'm sure it will be very popular, so people will need to sign up. They should. They should. They should call uh, call Katie Carpenter, our educator, and register at eight nine nine two two one three, or they can email us at uh, k carpenter. K-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R at APH.org. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any other programs you want to tell us about? Well, um, I don't have October my dates right in front of me, uh, but I know that we're doing our uh, tactile Halloween mask workshop in, mm-hmm. at the end of October. Okay. Uh, and you can go to our website at APH.org forward slash museum and look at that. Our Halloween mask program is going to be on Saturday, October 22nd. And it's also 10:30 to 12:30, and of course it looks at uh, traditions of mask making around the world, and then we uh, we actually make tactile Halloween masks as part of the workshop. And, mm-hmm. and you know that's the longest running program we've been doing here. It's really popular, yeah. And then we've got another history program in November on Saturday, November 19th. We're going to be looking at the history of dog guides. Uh, from ancient times, uh, really up through the founding of Seeing Eye uh, in Nashville in the 1920s, and uh, and then kind of the proliferation of dog guide programs around the United States and, and around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, too. And it's also from 1030 to 1230. Well, it sounds like there's some really good things coming up at the museum, and I'm sure you'll be back in a couple of months to tell us about more we we really enjoy having um, having you come and, and talk about the unique programs and sometimes they're repeats but there's always a different twist um, at the museum so please feel free to let us know when there's new and fun things coming up there. Thanks Carla we really right. appreciate being out on your show. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies a-p-h products and textbooks can also be located using louis new extended searching now available with free louis plus visit soon http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page four. Patty Cox is one of the people who helps out a great deal at the Mini Mall at the ACB convention, and Patty is also a member of the Mini Mall committee in ACB. And she's with me on the telephone now to tell you about the Mini Mall at the 
just recently concluded ACB convention in Minnesota. And also we're going to talk about some of the neat new products that we have. Welcome, Patty. Hello. Patty, we, um, we had quite a time at the mini mall this year. We were inundated with customers, I would say. What, what, wouldn't you think that would be true? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just uh, every time, every time that uh, you looked, looked up, we had a crowd at the mini mall. And um, we had lots of new products, lots of different products. And there were quite a few people who helped out at the mini mall this year and helped us really move customers through pretty quickly. So um, we just had a great time. Tell us what you, um, what you thought about the mini mall and just some of your impressions of this year at the convention. I thought it went really well, and we do have a lot of products that um, are uh, are needed um, at a convention, um, and uh, it seemed like there were a lot of people there, you know, all the time. Um, but it flowed very well, and um, having uh, other people check people out, I could help more, and um, it just flowed very well. Yeah, we we had uh, quite a bit of, of, of help this time, and this was the first year that we were able to really process credit cards with uh, being able to scan the card and um, really make that checkout process fast. We also changed um, our T-shirts. We combined the T-shirts in that um, you had the picture the image for the uh, convention, the Land of 10,000 Dreams image, actually on the sponsor t-shirt. And that meant that we didn't spend a lot of time explaining t-shirts to people. And that helped move people along, too. So right. um, it, it was just great. A couple of the people, some of the people who helped out in the mini mall, the people who did a lot of checkout were Vicki Vogt from Massachusetts and um, DJ McIntyre. That's Betsy Grinovich's daughter, for those who know Betsy. They're from Georgia, and Carrie Bishop from Arizona. And, and then um, doing <laughs> some of the, some of the um, just helping customers, there was Shirley Stivers and, and you, Patty, and uh, Debbie Deathridge was there a lot from Kentucky. And, um, and then we had... David. Yes, and David Cox. David was um, the, he was the uh, tip man. He, <laughs> I dubbed him the tip man. He uh, basically hung out at one end of the booth. Our, our booth at the convention is actually three booths in one, so it's 30 feet long. And um, it really, it really takes, uh, you have to have people at both ends. David took care of one end, and um, he handled canes and tote bags, and uh, just as far down that side, did a lot of the t-shirt exchange when people would bring tickets up for t-shirts and pins, and um, just did an absolutely great job, and put those tips on those canes, and he was the guy who could do that, the rest of us weren't too good at that. So we really appreciated that. Let's chat a little bit about the um, about the new tote bag that we had. People had been requesting zipper tote bags, and we sure got one. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Describe that for us a little bit because um, we're going to have those in the mini mall as well, online and by phone. People are now able to order those after the convention. They are different colors. They're a pretty good size bag. You can put Braille in them. You can put print. 
Um, they will carry a good amount of stuff. Um, they do have the zipper on the top, and it has a front pocket on, you know, on it. Mm-hmm. That um, you can slip things in? Yeah, you can slip okay. things down in it. Mm-hmm. And then we have different colors. There's an all-black one. Um, the handles, the zippers, the front pocket, and the back are black. And then the color comes in for the rest of it. It's like a on the front, um, we have a lime green, which is you know, a pretty bright green. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a pink, and that kind of reminds me of um, a regular pink. It's not a pastel pink. It's not, a, you know, a, a deep pink like the future or a hot pink. It's just regular pink. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two different colored blues. There's purple. There's many different colors. So whatever color you feel like, you can have one of each. You know, each day <laughs> has a different color. You might feel right. blue one day, and you might feel like the sunshine's shining, and you get the lime green. Right. Um, now, but, they have the ACB logo on them. Right. They have that on the mm-hmm. front pocket. Okay. Uh, and that is not embroidered with the screen on it, it's, but it's on the front pocket. It shows off very well. It pops off the pocket. So you can carry this anytime, but especially if you're going somewhere where maybe your affiliate or someone needs to, you know, you're going to ask for a product or a door prize or something, you carry it along with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people have commented that it was great, you know, for carrying, like taking maybe to just taking a lot of things with you if you're going to, uh, um, you know, to out out somewhere and like say to the gym or something like that too uh, now where is the color like where is the green or where is the pink on the bag it's underneath the zipper on the front and it comes down and it goes um to the top of the pocket and then it comes down the sides of the um the slip pocket in the front mm-hmm. okay all right and so those are um, those are going to be available online, as well as to be ordered by phone. And um, they, I think, people will be very pleased with them. We had another really good item. Actually, we had a couple of really hot items, and one of those was um, was a power bank. Actually, we had two different power banks. Um, one of them was a small power bank that um, was rated at 4,000 mAh, and um, that was, uh, that that would um, charge up your iPhone a couple of times. Then we had a big one that was 11,000, and people really liked that. It came in silver and white. We're going to be adding it in red, uh, or I think it's in blue and black. Maybe it's blue and black. It's and blue, black, silver, and white. Yeah, blue, black, silver, and white. And the blue and the black will have a white logo on it. <clears throat> the white and silver have the black ACB logo on them. And those were really popular. I could not believe how how many. Everybody in that convention must have had a power bank by the time we got done. But um, those, those are pretty neat. Now, you have, you have uh, power banks for your... Um, iPhones and so on. So um, maybe somebody's out there and listening and doesn't know what that is. So tell us about that. A power bank is um, a device. It's like a battery. It's like carrying an extra battery along with you for your phone or whatever your device is. Um, 
I use them when, when I'm out. Uh, you can't always plug into a wall. And if you can't see, you always can't find the plugs on the wall. Well, that's the truth. And, I mean, I, I just imagine all these blind people down crawling <laughs> the wall, feeling looking for the plugs <laughs> so they could get their square in there. The power banks, you plugged it, you used the regular cord that you do for your phone. You plug that in just as if you were going to plug it into the wall. Um, the USB goes into the battery. Okay. And, you know, you charge it up. And then once your phone is full, and it might be hard to tell that if you're, you know, if you can't see, but the best thing not to do is not to use your phone while it's powering up on the battery. Do that while you're, you know, in between phone calls or, um, you know, you don't have to unplug it. It just doesn't charge as fast. Mm. Um, I have a small one, and you can get about two charges for my phone out of it. And a lot of times when I'm out and I'm carrying it, you'll find my cord goes from one pocket to the other because I'll have my phone in one pocket and the battery in the other. <laughs> so okay. um, you can carry it on you. You can carry it in your purse. Um, I'm a person that doesn't carry a purse all the time. So the smaller ones fit, and the ones that we have in the mini mall are flat. Um, the small ones about the size of a credit card, a little bit bigger, but... It'll fit in your back pocket, in a men's suit pocket, put away. But the 11,000, the small one will go about two charges, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I've charged an iPad and an iPhone with a 4,000 one. Mm -hmm. um, the 11,000, of course, if you can imagine what 4,000 will do, the 11,000 charges a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So you might get more than six charges out of it. You get a cord with the power bank, and that cord has a micro end or macro end, mm -hmm. and that plugs into your square, which plugs into the wall, too. Mm -hmm. so, and that's how you charge your power and bank. That's how you charge it. You charge mm -hmm. that, you know, if you've used it all day, take it home, put it on charge overnight. When it's charged up the next day, you can use it again. Mm -hmm. um, the best thing not to do is overcharge anything, so once it's if you're not going to use it the next day, unplug it. Um, don't turn it on, but just unplug it. Mm -hmm. And that's, it, it doesn't run down the battery as fast because there's only so much life in a battery, no matter how many times you charge it. You know. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely charge your, um, your, your tablets and things with that larger one. And um, actually, if you, if you use them a lot, you'll get, you know, you'll get quite a quite a good charge out of that. So, mm -hmm. so we're getting it. We have just gotten a new supply of the larger power banks um, in Minnesota, and those are going to be available as well uh, online and via telephone orders. We have a new product in the in the mini mall that wasn't at the convention. And um, we think that listeners would like that quite a bit. And it's a, it's a new computer bag, very professional looking, um, and one that can go just about any place. So, Patty, describe this new new bag for us. Um, it's gray with black accents. The handles, the shoulder strap, the zippers, the top of the pockets, um, on the front, it's all black. Inside, there is a padded sleeve for your computer that fits your laptop. Plus, inside, you will have room for an iPad, a tablet, e-reader, 
um, any, probably any other device that you have that you need to put down in that computer case to take with you. Um, it's very durable, and the logo will be on the kind of like a messenger bag. The top flap comes over and down halfway to the top of the front pockets, okay. and it that will be where the logo is. The pockets are zippered pockets, so it's not just a slip pocket mm-hmm. on the front. So you can put your extra battery for your iPad or your phone down in it um, and zip it up and know that it's not going to fall out. Does it have both a shoulder strap and a, a smaller handle yeah. on top? Yeah. yeah, you don't yeah. have to use that shoulder strap right. if you don't want to. Right. So it's it's a very professional-looking bag, one that can go just about any place. Mm-hmm. with you and um we and it's be... not you know Go ahead. too masculine to be feminine the, mm-hmm. the gray there's a lot of you know women professional women that carry blacks and grays so it can be either or mm-hmm. all right and uh finally there were a couple of small little items since we've been talking about a lot of techie kinds of things here um there's uh, There were a couple of other small little items that uh, were very popular. One was a dual wall charger. Mm-hmm. It has the ACB logo on it. Um, it's a folding charger, and those prongs can hide right away, and so they don't um, get caught on things in, a, in your suitcase right. or your purse. And then there was a little cable, a pouch with cables. And um, tell us about that. Okay. First of all, I want to say that when you all hear me say square and the iPads first came out, the plugs that go in the wall, they are square. Um, and people know them as squares. Um, some people just know them as wall chargers. So when I say square, that's what I mean, if you're, what you're plugging into the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the dual chargers have two, two USB ports that you can plug into, so you can charge an iPad and iPhone at the same time. Um, the prongs come in, and they're white with... A color, and we have different colors. We have green, orange, red, blue, black, um, and I'm not sure about the colors. That's what I can remember. Yes, those are the colors. Um, the pouches have a cord that has a USB on one end, and it has a three-way on the other end. So one cord will go for an iPhone, other will go for an Android, which is a micro, and then there's a macro. Mm-hmm. Um, you can charge your batteries with that if you need to. If you lose a power cord, the three-way cord is what you need because it will do everything that all your other cords will do. Mm-hmm. And you've got it all in one all in one little pouch. It's a right. little zipper pouch. has a little key ring on it, and you can carry them along, and so you're never minus a cord. Right, and you can get your, your, your pouch to match your dual wall charger if right. you buy them together. So, um, because the pouch does have color to it, the the actual um, cords are white. Um, And also, if people don't know, the shorter your cord, the faster you charge. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, if you need a charger for your phone, and say you have an iPhone 5 or 6, um, instead of going out and buying two or three different cords, one for your battery and one for this, and and you get a six foot cord that's going to charge. It's not going. It's going to take longer to charge that mm-hmm. by a three way cord, and it will charge a lot faster. 
That's a good little tip. Well, Patty, there are so many other things that we could talk about, but we're out of time. We'll need to do this again uh, pretty soon okay. because we will be getting some new things. The Mini Mall Committee is hard at work on exploring some new items, and so out there just stay tuned and you'll find more neat things in the ACB Mini Mall. You can reach the Mini Mall by going to acb.org and following the Mini Mall link there or you can go to http colon slash slash mall.acb.org. Keep in mind that we are adding new products and if you don't find a product that you want or um, if you think it should be there and you can't find it, give us a call at 877-630-7190, and we'll be glad to help you out. Thank you, Patty. All right, thank you. Page 5, Soundprints Calendar. On August 24, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind invites everyone to their peer support group meeting from 12 to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. Registration is required. The phone number is 859-259-1834. And on August 26, the GLCB Roundabout will include the following activities. Braille and genealogy at 3.30. iPhone tips and training will begin at 4. Discussion time from 5 to 6. Dinner from 6 to 7. $5 per person, and music and games and cards from 7 to 10. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On August 28, ACB Families will hold its next conference call meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. For information on the dial-in number, please call 502-895-4598. You're invited to participate in the next ACB Lions Conference call on September 1 at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The dial-in number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. Other highlights for September include the Greater Louisville Council Roundabouts on the 2nd, 9th, 23rd, and 30th. On the 16th, the roundabout will include the GLCB quarterly meeting. The Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold their September meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern, 605-475-4700. The code is 155619. On September 11, KCB Next Generation will have their conference call for the month at 8 p.m. Eastern. The dial-in number is 605-475-6006. And the code is 294444. And on September 13, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have their meeting in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue. For more information on that meeting, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On September 24, the American Printing House for the Blind will present History of Talking Books for the Blind from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the APH Museum. APH has been recording talking books since the 1930s. Join them as they chat about the highlights of the last 75 years. This activity is free. It's best for older children and adults. Registration is required. Call 502-899-2213 to sign up.
And finally, we remind you that the KCB convention is coming up the second weekend in November. Be sure to keep that weekend open on your calendar. We'll be bringing you lots of details in the coming weeks. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.